Welcome to the Wine or Milk podcast, where we rewatch and review nostalgic movies and media from our childhoods and decide if it aged like wine or like milk. I'm Jess. And I'm Kyle. And today we're going to be watching The Land Before Time. I don't really remember a lot about The Land Before Time, except for I watched it a lot as a kid. But I, I remember like zero, zero of the plot. I think maybe the first one is where they go to find the Great Valley, which is where all the leaf-eating dinosaurs can live in harmony away from all the carnivores, like the sharp tooth. Yeah, I I know that when I was a kid, I really loved The Land Before Time, but it was on VHS, and so you got to watch whatever ones you had, and I we didn't have Land Before Time 1, the original Land Before Time. I don't know that I've ever seen this. I definitely know I've seen like two or three, I'm like really confident I never saw one because I think in one of the movies they like flash back to it. And I was like, what the hell is this? Who is this? Who is that? What's happening? And they weren't numbered, I don't think. I think they just had like titles. I know I've definitely seen The Land Before Time, but I think I saw the second one more because I think the second one is where they adopt the little baby sharp tooth chopper. It could be. I I remember loving, adoring, just Watching this movie far too often. I probably wore out the tape on the VHS. Now, I can't remember anything. Just like the names of them and that they ate the the tree stars. Star leaves? I think they call them tree stars. Tree stars. That was a medicine for the sick, big, big, the daddy neck, long neck. Nope. The daddy neck. What is his name? The daddy long neck. necks? Yeah, the long necks. The long necks. Yeah. Daddy neck. Because <laughs> he was a grandpa. <laughs> yeah. And he was sick and they needed the star leaf or something. That might have been three or four. I don't I don't know. But watch his name actually be Daddy Neck and I made fun of you in this intro. That's gonna be No, age I'm like pretty wine. sure it's I mean, long milk. I think I'm pretty sure it's the long necks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But yeah, I, I really don't remember a whole lot about these movies, just that they're pretty good. I feel like the animation pro- quality was pretty solid. If I'm remembering correctly, it's all hand drawn. I mean, they're pretty old, so I can't see how that wouldn't be. What I do remember is there's Littlefoot is like the main character. Yep. And he's a baby, baby long, long neck, neck and he lives with his grandparents. Yep. And then there's Sira, the Cyteratops. Cy- Cy- Triceratops Cyterosops. <laughs> what was that dinosaur I just made up? You have struggled with her every time you said her name. It's Sarah. Sarah. It's Sarah? I thought it was like Oh, like Triceratops. Sarah, like Tri- I told you it was named after Triceratops. I know, and but I then- <laughs> still mispronounce it every time. Anyway. anyway, yeah, and then so then there's Spike, Petrie is the um, pterodactyl, the little guy, and yeah. then Ducky. Ducky, yeah, I actually really like Ducky. She's cutie. Um, Ducky and Spike are like brother and sister. I think I have no memory of that. Like this is the thing I can kind of remember the characters and stuff, but. When it comes to plot points and any other details of the movie, I'm really coming up short. One of them, there's a fire. I don't know. This is this is silly. Childhood <laughs> movies always made me wonder, like, am I supposed to be adventuring on my own away from my parents? Yeah, because that happens in, like, including movies like the Rugrats, where they're literally babies, not even toddlers, like infants. And they're going on these grand adventures. What am I doing? These I'm 29. Little baby I dinosaurs. just stay at home. They're just doing their own thing by themselves. And the third movie, I think they literally like run away and leave and like go to find the, the tree star. Yeah. So 
Anyway, I remember nothing about the first one specifically except for the the characters, and I think they're trying to go to the Great Valley. Yeah, that adds up from my recollection from, like I said, the flashback that was in one of the movies. I really don't know. I think a volcano explodes. Maybe that's why they're driven to the find the Great Valley or something? Maybe. I don't know. I can't wait to find out. It's really, I'm excited to watch this one. It's definitely more of a kid's movie than I think we've watched yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of excited for it. It's definitely going to take that nostalgia bubble. Yeah. Are you thinking it's going to age like wine or like milk? Honestly, I think this one's probably going to age like wine. You know, it's animated. So the quality of the film, I think, is just going to hold up really well. And there's something endearing about young child's movie where it is telling a nice accessible story and it has like a happy ending and it usually includes some of the main characters overcoming some obstacle to like encourage kids to like be good and listen to their parents, you know? So I I don't really see how it could like go poorly. I I think it's probably going to be a pretty sweet movie. I remember really liking the characters and connecting with them as a kid. So I think I'm going to like this. I think it'll age like wine too. I feel like now a lot of kids movies, some of them are not like this, but some of them are just like, let's make fart jokes. And then like sexual innuendo jokes for the parents that the kids aren't going to get. Yeah. You know, so this is definitely, I don't think going to be like that at all. And I think it's going to be more like a timeless classic. And I think, and again, this is just my perception now as an adult. Timeless because it's before time. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, Oh boy. And I think, so this is just my perception as an adult. But I feel like there's a lot of kids media today that almost feels like it's talking down to kids in the tone that they're using. Maybe it's actually like researched back and that just is easier for kids to understand. But my recollection of these movies is they're just like talking like people. They're talking like little kids would. It's not necessarily like Dora the Explorer stuff where they're talking really slowly that so that the kids can understand. So I think as 29 year old Kyle that's going to help me enjoy it a lot more. Probably. I think Dwarley the Explorer might be for a younger demographic other than the land before time was. I don't know what they were targeting with this movie. And Dora's trying to teach Spanish. Okay, Dora wasn't a great example. Caillou. Everybody hates Caillou. I don't know. I don't. He was the little bald baby. Yeah. The whiny bald baby. I I think it's going to age better than Caillou. That's my prediction. That is a a low bar. (laughs) It's a very low bar. We should set that up for all movies going forward. Did it age better than Caillou? I have no more comments. (laughs) So The Land Before Time came out in 1988. Before either of us was born. It was directed by Don Bluth. The screenplay was written by Stu Krieger. And music was by James Horner. I feel like there was good music. I can't remember, but I feel like in my bones, if you had a gun to my head and I had to guess, I'd say it was good. It was also narrated by Pat Hingle, and I remember the narrator's voice. I'm so excited to watch this again. Super short. Only 69 minutes long. So basically just an HBO special that went a little over. It's like the finale on HBO that like runs a little over. That's actually a great point. Like there are definitely Game of Thrones episodes that are longer than this movie. And there's definitely Game of Thrones episodes that are way worse than this movie. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited to watch it back. And um, I'm wondering how much will come back to me as we're watching. Oh, I'm, I'm also seeing apparently it was produced by Steven Spielberg. So he's also involved in this one. I did not know that. 
No, I, I didn't either. And it also grossed $84.5 million at the box office. That's very successful. Let's watch and see if it aged like wine or like milk. Okay, so that was Land Before Time. I guess I was kind of right about what it was about. It was them trying to get to the Great Valley in some ways. But, yeah, it was pretty good, I thought. First impression was pretty good. Yeah, I I can't say I didn't enjoy it. Um, like, obviously, it wasn't my favorite movie that we've watched, but uh, especially for the length, coming in at basically an hour, uh, it was an enjoyable watch. I was... I was pleasantly surprised. What do you mean, obviously, it wasn't your favorite movie we've watched? Well, I mean, it's an animated children's movie about dinosaurs. I don't know if that's going to, you know, stand up to things like Happy Gilmore, Princess Bride. You think Happy Gilmore is an objectively better movie than The Land Before Time? Maybe more enjoyable. Maybe. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, I feel stupid. I'm a little sad that you just said that Happy Gilmore is possibly better than Land Before Time. If I had to sit down and be like, I'm going to watch one movie right now, and it was between those two, I don't know that I would choose Land Before Time for any reason other than the length. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk what it's about. (laughs) Give me the rundown. Okay. Can I get that rundown, Jim? So it starts with a kind of fun opening credit scene with the, like, a dinosaur in the water. Uh, swimming about and like danger and I, I don't know if that was supposed to be like evolution or something kind of showing that dinosaurs like like life came from the water or it was just a water dinosaur i don't know it was like a dino frog kind of yeah it was cute it yeah, was nice it was cute. i think it was like alluding to the fact that life came from the water that was what i was getting from it and also what hit me was the right off the bat the orchestral score was really fun mm-hmm. lots and of horns Throughout the movie, the the music was fantastic. We'll get into that. But like right off the bat, it hit me with it. I was like, wow, it was impressive. And then it has a really fun scene of all of the main characters getting born, which was really cute. I know. Oh, my gosh. The the baby dinos were adorable. They were so cute. I like how Ducky got stuck in her little egg and she was like, her little feet were going and then her head popped out and she tried to eat a bug while still in her eggshell. Yeah. And uh, Sarah was like already showing her spunky headbutting attitude, even when she was still in the egg. It was Mm -hmm. so cute. So yeah, everybody's born and then climate change hits and they are forced out of wherever they're living because there's no food. So all of the dinos get ready to migrate to the Great Valley. There's one tree star left that the mama of our main character, Littlefoot, grabs and gives to him. And he doesn't eat. He, like, wears it like a blanket. It was very sweet. It's his little safety blanket. It's like Linus's blue blanket. Yeah. But way more meaningful. And so as they're journeying, Sarah and Littlefoot try to play with each other. Sarah's dad especially is like, we don't play with long necks stick Uh to your own kind yeah which uh is one of the many life lessons that they introduce into this film let me rephrase that though because it kind of sounds like 
the life lesson was stick to your own kind. That was not the case. It, <laughs> it introduces that as a theme and then tells you why it's not a good one. And they do that a lot throughout the film, which I really enjoyed. Um, so then there's a sharp tooth attack. Sharp tooth is T-Rex. Big T-Rex. For those of you who don't know. <laughs> those of you who aren't in the know with Land Before, land before time, time Lingo. The very descriptive language they used to describe different dinosaurs. Yes. So there's like a volcano. They actually tell us it's an earthquake, I think. He he used a great phrase. What was it? Uh, tectonic clash, I think it was. Or continental clash. I was like, mm-hmm. boy, those are big words. Yeah, the, the earth is shifting and the dinos are fighting. It's very dramatic. Yeah. And so they're running away and Little Fit's mom has to intervene. But tragedy strikes. The sharp tooth gets her, jumps on her back and bites her real good. We have a very sad scene of Littlefoot's mom dying in front of his eyes. So um, I forgot about that scene and I'm not going to lie. I, I cried. It was, it was sad. I was and, not expecting all those tears. And it went on for a while. It was like a 10 minute segment. Yeah. It was, it was like a big slice of the movie. It's only an hour long. So yeah. So Littlefoot's super sad, and he, like, sleeps in his mom's footprint, which broke my heart. Then he's sad and doesn't know what to do. He's lost. He gets consoled by an older dino, and then a tree star gets sent to him from, he assumes, from his mother, which was very beautiful. And so he kind of uses that to rally his spirits and find the, the Great Valley. Oh, yeah. His mom's dying breath is, like, to remind him of the instructions of how to get to the Great Valley. Yeah. yeah. So he has that knowledge of how to... Get there. Follow the sun in the sky. No, the bright. The the bright. The bright little, circle or yeah, whatever. I can't remember. And uh, just keep walking. Look for the rock that looks like a long neck. Yep. And then uh, something about another landmark. Then you'll get there. Yeah, I can't remember. So when the earthquake was going on, a lot of the dinos got separated from their parents. So we are re- reunited with Sarah and then Ducky. Then we are introduced to Petrie, which was really cool. The little pterodactyl. And then Sarah once again stumbles on the sharp tooth that we thought had died after killing Littlefoot's mom. Surprise, he's still alive. So she runs away from them, gets reunited again with our main party, and we get introduced to Spike. Oh the God. last one to hatch. He was he's the lazy, lethargic, like Spike Tail, I think they call him. Uh and so he gets his name Spike. And uh, Ducky, she says Oh, what does she say? It's so funny. She's like, you're late. Yup, yup, yup. Yep. And then they head to what they think is the Great Valley, but it's not. And a big herd of long necks. But they're not Littlefoot's long necks. They're another type of long necked dinosaurs. Clear all the trees. Oh, yeah. They're looking for food and they see the little mini grove. Yeah. And then it gets Demolished, yeah. And so they end up having a really cute slumber party, but... Sharptooth finds him in the morning. Very sad to me. This part got me as well. The Sharptooth steps on the tree star that Littlefoot's dead mother sent to him from I beyond. Know, and and it's it crumpled. Explodes. I was very sad about that. You're a um, collector. You like to keep things. I, I am. So I hate when things break and that one got me. So they a big fight ensues. They're running away. They're at like right before the... Great Valley. So there's like all these volcanoes. That's what the last step in Littlefoot Mom's Littlefoot's Mom's directions was like the Fire Mountains. Yes, yes. So you see the 
they did find the rock that looks like a long neck, and then they got to the fire mountains. Because yeah. they, like, run through a little crack in the wall, and the little dinosaurs, the babies, can get through, and the sharp tooth can't fit through the hole. That's how they escape him. So, yeah. They run away from him. They come up with a great idea of pushing a boulder over uh, to basically drown the... Yo, you skip so much. They're in the fire mountain, and they separate. Because Littlefoot wants to go over the mountain and Sarah wants to go the short cut and she like leads him into like crazy volcano area. Petrie falls into like a tar pit. They're having a lot of trouble. Right. And Littlefoot comes back to save them. And they make the tar monster to scare away the headbutting dinosaurs that corner Sarah. Yep. And they're reunited. And then the T-Rex comes back again. Again. For the fourth time. He's like the Terminator. This is the encore. And so that's when they corner him by this like lagoon. They push a rock onto him to drown him. And this is when Sarah comes back finally to save the day and rejoin with her friend and give us the ultimate teachable moment that only together can we succeed. Yeah, because Ducky's the bait. Petrie tries to fly and distract him or something. And then Littlefoot and Spike are pushing the rock, but they can't do it without Sarah. And she shows up at the end and saves them. But I want to say the T-Rex was minding his own business at that point, And they saw him like climbing the mountain. And they're like, let's kill him. They were. Yeah, that part was a little bit surprising to me because they were like, it's a movie about like teaching little kids to be good people. And then they were like, and then we're going to kill him. We're going to murder him dead. <laughs> I mean, he was hunting them. Where his head as a... And he did kill Littlefoot's mom. Yeah. So, like, the T-Rex was not innocent in this, but they did really plot his murder, like, full on. And they're also, like, three days old or something ridiculous. Like, we don't know how old they are. They were walking in the valley for a long time. They're definitely, like, older. What are dinosaur years? Like, dog years? I don't know. They're, like, at most, like, a year old. How long do scientists think dinosaurs lived? Like, the average lifespan A few million years. Probably. Oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> like the average dinosaur. <laughs> anyway, uh, they kill the dino, they climb the mountain, they get to the Great Valley, and... The last hello from his mom. Yep. Leading, his, his ghost mom leading the way in the sky. Yep. And then all of the dinos are reunited with their parents, and importantly, Ducky finds her mom and says, and this is our new brother, Spike. Just adopts him right away so spike has a family which is important to me he got left behind as a little egg yeah because he couldn't wake up but that is land before time and so yeah like i said it was a fun movie it was beautiful really well animated and the score was wonderful tons of teachable moments that's what really stuck out to me Mm -hmm. Uh, but what stuck out to you since you nominated us to watch this one uh, a bunch of things stuck out to me. I guess I'll go serious first. I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the lesson on grief and loss. I was super, super impressed with that. I was really impressed with how they handled that. Yeah. So Littlefoot's mom dies and she was explaining how she's not going to be there anymore like She's she like, what to- do you mean you're not going to be there? Like that for kids, especially of that younger age, yeah. right? Like understanding what death is is hard. And it's like, what do you mean I won't see you again? Is it like sleeping? So she was explaining to him, like, you'll see me in your heart and I'll be there, but we're not going to be together. Yeah. So that was the first part that I thought was really good. It was really nice. 
they dedicated a good amount of time to that scene, especially, Mm -hmm. which I thought was wonderful. I know I've seen interacted with some types of media, TV shows, movies, video games where a parental figure dies and it's almost like glossed over. It's just like, oh, yeah, now they're dead and now we're going to move on. It's like a plot device slash character development typically. And but like the the moment itself and that grief process really isn't typically explored. And but, they really explored it. And I thought they did. It, I thought it was really responsible and very nice. Yeah, because then after he sees his mom and she has her like final moment with him, he's upset and crying. And then this old dinosaur stumbles on him and then also talks more about grief and loss. And he's mm-hmm. like explaining it's no one's fault because Littlefoot's trying to blame it on the T-Rex at first and then blame it on her saying it's her fault for messing with the T-Rex. And then he's kind of blaming himself a little bit. So old grumpy dinosaur, who's super friendly, actually, <laughs> yeah, he's saying it's no one's fault and it's the circle of life and not all of us arrive at the end of the circle together, which yeah. was, I think, really beautiful. And just someone to comfort him and again, like, normalize what he's feeling and like also what's going on. Yeah. And they let him be sad. They let Littlefoot, like, be sad. Yeah. For a while, like 10 minutes of just really sad Littlefoot. Yeah. And it, it was for sure at least between five to 10 minutes and that it could have even been more than 10 minutes. And this movie is only 60 minutes long, including the credit scenes. It's a big part of the movie that they dedicated to this and handling it so well and almost like coaching Littlefoot through it, but also coaching the audience who might be going through similar things through that. I thought it was beautiful. I just like, I'm imagining little kids who might have watched this, who might have been dealing with some sort of loss in their family. And I can only imagine that it was done, that it was helpful. And it was done just so, like I said, so responsibly. I was really, really impressed by that. Yeah, I also liked how like there was reminders of his mom for him. So like the tree star coming to him is like a reminder of his mom or like seeing his own shadow on the wall and thinking it's her. Oh my god, that scene killed me. That was so sad. <laughs> I think it just translates well into real life and what like grief could be like for people where you're living your life and just seeing reminders of someone, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's good. It was really sad though. Yeah. And I actually wrote a little note. There there were a couple of similarities to The Lion King, which came out after this. There were so many similarities um, to The Lion King, I thought. One of the <laughs> big ones that kind of slaps you in the face is Littlefoot says to his mom, get up. Mm-hmm. Um, as she's dying and then you know he sees her in the clouds and stuff but now that i'm thinking about it in this conversation i think that the way that the lion king portrays the loss of a parent was actually not as good as the land before time like this was it was just beautiful it was really well done it was very sad but i was really impressed so as you said that super stuck out to me yeah, I think that's a pretty good example. And it's it's also kind of a juxtaposition. Like, because someone could be really sad after, but, like, I don't want to judge someone's grief. Like, Simba kind of went into, like, a denial type mm-hmm. thing and, like, distanced himself from that. He also did some self-blame, like, Littlefoot. But Littlefoot ran into this old grumpy dinosaur that maybe had a little more insight to, to loss and was able to articulate that, where Timon and Pumbaa kind of had a similar idea of, like, live in the moment, Hakuna Matata type yep. thing. So I think it just, I think they both highlighted different ways to grieve. And I would agree that I, I think 
something like the land before time would be a little bit more healthy of a way to process it. But yeah, that I I think the the scenes were really sad, but they were beautiful and tasteful and responsible and educational, and it was very impressive mm-hmm. for for what we were going into, like going into this movie i was not expecting that at all and it was really well done i like blocked it out because as it was happening i was like oh shit here's a scene where her back gets super chunk taken out yeah and i was like i remember what happens now because at first i only remember the grandparents and as soon as i saw the mom in the opening scene i was like shit i knew it was coming because that was the one i told you i had a flashback to land before time this was it i remembered in one of the future land before times they do a flashback that shows how littlefoot was basically orphaned to his grandparents but i had never seen it so i knew it was coming but yeah very sad another thing i will say while we're talking about the lion king comparison there is a comparison with toy story as well what's it and toy story came out after with petrie learning to fly he's Mm. like i'm flying and they're like no you're falling yep falling with style they didn't say falling with style but same idea. So this uh, I, is like the OG that I guess sparked some creative juices for people at Pixar. Yeah, I there were a lot of similarities, uh, but that and Disney that bit specific uh, specifically about Petrie flying. My favorite quote of the movie is Petrie talking about how he can't fly and being kind of sad about it. Oh, I and, know what you're gonna say. And Ducky says many things can't fly: rocks, trees, sticks, Spike. I we both <laughs> actually laughed out loud at that scene. It was a really good joke. Ducky is hands down the best character. Oh, without a doubt, she's great. And yep, that, yep, yep. That was really fun for me, just like seeing her again. Because as a little kid, I loved Ducky. She was so like I don't know, relatable or something to me, or just adorable that I liked her. So that was like the biggest nostalgia for me was just seeing Ducky again. And because I remembered her saying "yup, yup, yup," but she was also like nope 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 and stuff like that she she had a lot of lines that i was just like oh this is so cozy another thing i liked about it is just all the the names that they use for the dinosaurs like it's just very descriptive language and you don't need to worry about kids trying to pronounce these things like triceratops and brontosaurus and pterodactyl exactly so they kind (laughs) of just give them names by how they look which i really liked like the leaf eaters the sharp teeth. The leaf eaters eat leaves, and the sharp teeth eat other dinosaurs. And I think Ducky's dinosaur name was Big Mouth. Yeah, because they had the <laughs> flyers, the spike tails, the long necks. And the Big Mouths. Yeah. I loved that. The swimmers, maybe? I think they had something about swimmers. So I just liked it. It was just easy for kids to think about, oh, this dinosaur eats plants. They're a leaf eater. This dinosaur has a spike tail, and it just gives them some words to start describing things, and it's easy to swallow, and it's not like Velociraptor. Yeah. On a similar like vein to that, it, this movie was super educational. Like It was using big words. It wasn't talking down to the audience at all, uh, but it also made it accessible by giving them nicknames and stuff, which I, I really liked. So it was like mixing in stuff that was potentially over their head, but also things that were easy to learn. It scaffold things, I think, for the kids pretty well. Great word. Yeah. And then on the educational bit, there was a lot of just like life coaching. You know, Littlefoot and Sarah were fighting and immediately it showed a consequence to that. They 
both like fell down a cliff and now they were separated and everything that they had worked for went bad. Mm-hmm. And then as they learned and grew past that mistake, they were rewarded for it by accomplishing their goals. It was really cool how they like put a lot of thought into showing growth of the characters, but making sure it was very educational in how it was presented. Like you couldn't really miss what they were teaching you, especially as an adult, obviously. But as a kid, like, I think it was a really good way of laying out. If you do, if you get angry, or if you're prideful, or if you judge people based on stereotypes, straight up, like long, long necks are stupid. They're not as smart as what did she say? Three horns. Yeah. Instead of triceratops. And so like anytime the characters did one of those negative things, they something bad happened to them. And then when they overcame that, something good happened. And I think that culminates beautifully at the end of the film where they show that every single dinosaur, no matter how big, no matter how small, was useful. You In know? killing a t- T-Rex. When you plot murder, <laughs> it's best to work together, y'all. It is. It is. Wow, that is potentially a actual lesson that you can get from Land Before Time. What a world. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. So it was it was nice. It was really nice. Yeah. And I think you're kind of insinuating this, but to say explicitly to it was just a lesson on stereotypes. Whereas mm-hmm. like sticking to your own kind or believing that certain groups are certain ways is just detrimental explicitly. And they learned that by the end, at the end of the movie they were lifelong friends. Yeah. And playing together and there was no qualms and, you know, life might not always be that simple, but that was definitely the lesson there. And I liked how it was very much like you were saying, show, don't tell. It felt like a movie that they intended to teach kids about a lot of different things and then wrapped a movie around it almost. And it was action packed. There was no slow moments. Nope. It was like, bam, 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 bam. So... And uh, another thing that it taught me, I remember as a kid, I was terrified of tar pits growing Yo, up. I was yes. freaking terrified of them. I, in Because of Land Before Time, I thought there were going to be tar pits everywhere. And if I got stuck in them, I would get pulled down and like die. And I, I guess I'm happy that I have never seen a tar pit in real life. But boy, I was sure, just like I said in Princess Bride, I was sure that there was going to be quicksand all over the place. Never seen quicksand, never seen a tar pit. Lightning sand? (laughs) Lightning sand. No, that's true. Because I remember, like, Ducky falls in the tar pit, and then they all use their human body chain. Well, not human. Their bodies to make a chain to pull him out, and it's, like, really sticky and sucking him under. And then they make, like, they all, like, get on each other to make, like, a tall dinosaur, tar monster thing to scare away the headbutting dinosaurs from uh, Sarah. And I, like, have a distinct snapshot memory of them all standing on top of each other as tar-covered mm-hmm. dinos making, like, a bigger dino. Like, the kid in the jacket. Yep. With three people up top to sneak into the R movie, you know? And that's, like, a distinct memory I have. I think some of the other movies have tar pits, too. And, like, some maybe the more adult dinos getting stuck in tar or something like that. I just know that this plot point comes up again, and I was sure that this existed in real life and terrified of it terrified lots of tar pits in massachusetts yeah (laughs) (laughs) the other thing that i distinctly remember about this movie from when i was a kid was learning about lying and like seeing someone lie because as a kid you can lie and you think oh wow this is the coolest thing like i learned how to get away with stuff and i can just say something and people believe me you know i really you got to see sarah lying like she sees 
the T-Rex when she's on her own little mission because she doesn't want to work with Littlefoot. And she, like, is headbutting its, like, dead body at one point. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out it's actually alive because its eye opens and she starts screaming and running away from it and, like, launching herself through the woods and she runs into the the group. And then she just, like, tells a story about how she, like, chased it off and she's so tough and she was fighting it. And I'm just coming back to warn you guys that it's out and it's still alive. And I'm not scared. And I just remember being like, this bitch is lying. She's lying to them right now and getting away with it. Like, for me as a kid, it was just, I don't know. Because when you're really little, some of that doesn't, like, click for you. Yeah. So you got to see both sides. I don't know. It was just interesting, too. It also had consequences because later in the movie, they didn't trust her as much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots of really great lessons. I guess the last thing that really hit me uh, was when we got to the credits and executive producers Spielberg and Lucas. Like, come on. What a what a duo. And then top it all off. Diana Ross is singing the song, the, the credits song. And I looked it up. That song was made for this movie. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I missed that in my little intro for the movie that George Lucas also was a executive producer. So don't know how I missed that. My bad. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. But also, yeah, Diana Ross is a legend. And so when I was looking it up, not only was that song made for this movie, apparently, and I tried to verify this on a lot of websites because it sounds so absurd. Oh. Apparently. That song peaked at number one in Japan. Like, it was so popular. It was number one on, like, their billboard chart. I'm sad it wasn't number one here. It actually, it got, like, really high here. It was, like, I'm pretty sure it hit the top 100. But the fact that it peaked at number one anywhere blew me away. It was a movie, a a song by Diana Ross made for a children's movie about dinosaurs. Couldn't believe it. Well, you're forgetting it's Diana Ross. Well. She could probably put out any song and it would go pretty high. And. It's a great song, actually. It was really good. But yeah, that that last little thing where it was like, wait, Spielberg and Lucas and then Diana Ross? What's going on? That was world shattering for me. One other thing about the credits was uh, Sarah's dad, the voice actor, he was listed and his name, he had his real name, obviously, but the name associated with him was Daddy Tops. I... I we both wrote that down. I think in, I, I'm seeing your notes. We both wrote it down in like all caps. <laughs> Daddy tops, voiced Daddy by. Tops. I actually don't know who it was voiced by. I was just so distracted by the fact that the character's name was credited as Daddy Tops. Yep. It makes me want to watch all of the Land Before Time movies just so we can talk about it and refer to him as Daddy Tops every time. But anyway, that was what we liked. Is there anything that stuck out that you think didn't age as well, or? You weren't just you just weren't a fan of. Not really, to be honest. It was probably for a younger audience than I maybe thought. Look, like looking back, I thought maybe I would watch it when I was seven or eight. But I think it's actually geared towards a much younger child. But that's not a bad thing. It's just a misremembrance, you know. Yeah, I would say the only thing, and this is kind of being pretty nitpicky. I think the only thing that really stood out to me is like scale, the scale of the dinosaurs versus their surroundings was kind of confusing at time. Like, there's one scene where Littlefoot was literally smaller than grass that he was walking through. And I wasn't like, is this, like, 20-foot-tall grass? Like, what's going on? Like, took me out of the movie. I can't. I can't. (laughs) I cannot. I do not accept that criticism. (laughs) There's no lawnmowers. Okay, maybe the grass is really freaking tall. Well, maybe he grew. Baby dinosaurs, they probably grow really fast. 
you can tell by the width of the blade of the grass that this he is was prehistoric grass. Maybe it's special. It, that is a valid. It's not Kentucky blue, okay? <laughs> it's a valid pushback, but it, <laughs> it, okay, it confused me in the moment, and it took me out of the film. Okay, my suspension of disbelief gone. It's a talking dinosaur. I can get behind that. We don't know. We only have fossil records, not their larynx. We probably have that. I don't know. According to Dr. Grant, they have the ah, thing. He like blew <laughs> into the velociraptor. <laughs> Makes this sound. That sounds like Luna when she's mad. That doesn't sound like a velociraptor. No, not he at blows all. in it. It's very good scene. It's in the third Jurassic Park movie. We should watch Jurassic Park. We definitely should. But that was really probably the only negative that I had. It was a great movie. It was really well done, educational, fun, accessible, hard to hard to really nitpick anything. I think the next movies have music in them, like songs. And this is the only one without like, music. Like the dinosaurs sing? Like it's a musical. I don't remember that. Maybe I'm making that up. I thought there was music in the other ones. I don't remember that. Huh. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know what? When we watch the second one and we, we cover that movie, we'll report back. When? Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I have a whole nother, uh, land before time in me for a little bit. want to mix it up. Keep it fresh. <laughs> I'm, s- we just want to like leave. What if we don't know what happens to Littlefoot now? He has little feet. He's fine. Wait, why is his name Littlefoot? Because he has little feet compared to his parents. Obviously he's a baby. Why didn't they just name him like little body, little tail, little teeth, little eyes, little nose? I don't know. Cause it's cute. It is cute. So, we talked about what we liked, we talked about what we didn't like, which was not very much. (laughs) What do you think? What was your verdict? How did this one age? I think it aged like wine. I think the stories and life lessons they taught are still really applicable. And I don't know, I would watch it again if I have children or nieces or nephews or some, some little creature around me and I had to kill it an hour and nine minutes. Like, I would watch Land Before Time with them. Yeah. I I agree. I think it definitely aged like wine. And this one for me is like a solid wine. It got better. I really think this one got better with time. I don't consume a whole lot of children's media. However, when I think about this movie compared to some of the stuff I have seen, like I said, Caillou, right? You really hate Caillou. This teaches much better life lessons than Caillou ever did in any of his episodes altogether. It's a very bold statement. Have you seen Caillou recently? No. So do you know what life lessons Caillou teaches at you, all? Why are you pushing back on? I'm just I I'm don't know. A- <laughs> I just feel like I I feel like someone has to come to Caillou's defense. <laughs> no, no one needs to. It feels like an attack. Um it is an attack. Anyway. Uh yeah, I think that this one aged better. I, like I think it got better with time. I would definitely show this to my kids or nieces or nephews or whatever, especially if they experienced a loss. I actually think that it could be a good piece of media to help them through that struggling difficult time and potentially even like coach them through a really hard time of life so that really impressed me really stuck with me i thought it was great yeah i think is there anything like well i guess you haven't seen the first one before this is your first time seeing it first time i just remember a couple things that made me really nostalgic were the scene of spike getting born and immediately eating all the grass around his nest that made me nostalgic too yeah. Because that's like his character. He's the slow, lazy, mute eater. 
<laughs> oh, he's the Pluto of the friend group. Yeah, but in the future movies, he eats the grass just like that. It's it was like the same hump. animation. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. It was so funny. Anytime Ducky said, yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. And then there's a line where she's, no, Petrie is trying to smell something. And he's like, smells like, I smell Ducky, because Ducky's like right next to him. That reminded, that was a, that used to crack me up as a kid. It was a pretty good line, even as an adult. And what else? Oh, the scene with the little baby pterodactyls trying to eat the cherries. Oh my God, that was so fun. Mm -hmm. And And then then the mom has all the cherries for them on a platter. Yeah. And then one of them gives one to Littlefoot. But he's super, super in the throes of grief and loss. Yeah. Yeah, that was sweet. Or another thing, like, that maybe was, like, almost anti-nostalgia. I remember as a kid friggin' loving Petrie. And maybe the future movies give him a little bit more characteristic or something that is more endearing. But, boy, I was not a big Petrie fan in this movie. The best part about Petrie was how much, how seriously he took protecting the tree star that Littlefoot had. That was very nice. Yeah, Yeah. he knew it was important. That's another thing as a kid. You know the scene in the beginning when his mom is still alive and the tree star falls and there's like water in the middle? Oh my god. And then the water like dripped into it and created like a mirror effect mm-hmm. and like a basin. That was so well animated. <laughs> Do you know as a kid how often I tried to find leaves with water in them? And then like stare into them really intently? Like try to pick them off the tree and like look at the water. Yeah, like a lot. It was really embarrassing. I was uh, way too clumsy with my fingers to successfully <laughs> detach the leaf without spilling the water. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, there was a lot of like pretty fun nostalgic stuff. It was fun to just watch a children's cartoon, too. Uh, see, uh, yes, and also I didn't expect it to be so sad. Like The first half well, of the movie gosh, like yeah. really crushed me, and um, it was still good, but it, I, don't, I don't think I would say the experience was like relaxing or refreshing i was speaking more to watching a movie that was drawn by hand that part was fun oh the story and stuff like it was nostalgic to watch a hand-drawn cartoon because a lot of animated stuff today has hand-drawn bits but is also using like computer digitally Mm -hmm. uh animated graphics so like for something that was completely hand-drawn it was really fun to watch and well done high quality anna and elsa aren't hand-drawn no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, solid wine for me. One solid of the ones wine. that like actually age is not like the two buck chuck wine. It's like the full wine that you put in your cellar and you turn the bottle so the cork doesn't dry out. And really any movie that has daddy tops in it, it's got to be a wine. Mm-hmm. Should I tell an embarrassing story about my brother in this movie or should I keep that to the grave? I mean, obviously you should do that. It's not really embarrassing, actually. It's just... He named every stuffed animal that he got from, like, age two to age eight, shark tooth. We had a pet. We, we didn't have a pet zebra. He had a stuffed zebra. <laughs> we had a pet zebra. I wish zebra. we had a pet zebra. We had a stuffed zebra named shark tooth in our house. Did you try to tell him that zebras don't have sharp teeth? That they have flat teeth and they're leaf eaters? Yeah. Probably not. I don't remember. I just remember every stuffed animal with sharp tooth. Oh, I would have done that for sure. I would have been like, look at its teeth. They're not sharp. There's, its mouth was closed. It's a stuffed zebra. I would, have I would be mouth. going into the Nat Geo section of the local library and finding some pictures of zebras because the internet doesn't exist yet. Internet existed. I just didn't have access to it. When was this? Like the 90s. Yeah, the 90s was like 
pre-internet for most people. The internet definitely existed. It existed, but it wasn't like a household thing. You've Got Mail was out as a movie, (laughs) okay? They were emailing a lot and IMing. (laughs) One of my first love stories I've ever watched. Shop Girl. We also should watch that one. It's a great- You've Got Mail. Anywho- what else? Oh, so my brother named everything Sharp Tooth, and then this is also the origin for me of the floor is lava. The game, like yeah. playing that game as a yeah, kid, because they were like trying to avoid the lava, mm. and like I remember that was kind of like the original. And I may or may not have pretended to be Sarah and headbutted the couch. That's adorable. It freaking hurt. I learned very <laughs> fast that that was a bad game. I uh, I don't know what would have been the catalyst for that game for me. It could have been Aladdin. Because there's the scene in the, uh, mm, yes, the tiger Sandy boy, where the lava comes. What did he say? What was his line? Something about enter. I think he said something like, "The floor is lava. Run away." No. I don't know, man. He said, "Don't touch something." Don't touch the gem, or the floor will be lava. I just know Abu touched some kind of treasure. This is not the movie we're doing, so nope. we don't need this to. This is going to get cut. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle, that was my pick. What are what are we watching next? I believe the next one that we're going to be watching, which I am terribly excited for, is Free Willy. I watched this movie a ton as a kid. I remember nothing about it, but I'm really excited to revisit it. Really, really excited to revisit it. I definitely have seen it, and I remember nothing as well. Yep, I just remember that there's a whale, and Michael Jackson has a great song to close out the movie that I still sing to this day. Yeah, I know. I've heard you sing it multiple times, usually when we're walking Luna late at night. <laughs> and so, yeah, Free Willy. Are that you going to sing for us next week? Almost certainly not. Yeah, I don't think that makes good podcast listening. Yeah. Yep, we'll, we'll get negative viewers that episode. <laughs> People Listeners. will undownload it undownload it yeah <laughs> uh yeah i haven't seen free willy i feel like i'm gonna confuse it with flipper and there's that movie andre about the seal don't know if i've seen that one andre i'm pretty sure that's a movie hmm. might have made it up probably did no i think i did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh so next episode will be free willy pretty excited and we should watch jaws jaws would be good i don't know if i've actually seen jaws all right so that was the land before time solid wine score from both of us and yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we will see you next episode for Free Willy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine or Milk podcast. If you'd like to find us online, you can visit www.wineormilkpodcast.com. No, no, it's um, HTTPS colon slash slash www.wineormilkpodcast.com. Oh, my God. Yes. And you can also email us at wineormilkpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to find us on Instagram, <laughs> you can find us at wine or milk podcast. And if you'd like to see us on Twitter, you can find us at, at wine or milk. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, we would really appreciate it if you rate, reviewed, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>